just I just I just speak my peace keep my peace What's good, everybody? Welcome to episode 41 of the Speak My Peace podcast. As always, I'm your host, Greg Lacey. Like we always do at this time, I do want to thank you guys for tuning in to the Speak My Peace podcast. Um, like I always say, whether it's your first week, second week, be tuning in every week, every other week. Whatever the case is, welcome to the Speak My Peace podcast and welcome back to the Speak My Peace podcast. Like I always say, and I'm going to continue to say that you guys are the reason why I keep going and I can't thank you enough. Um, and speaking about this, the weeks last week, uh, I know we missed a week with releasing an episode. It wasn't planned, but it happened that way just because it was a slow news week. It wasn't that much stuff to cover. And the day that I would have released the podcast, it would have been Nipsey Hussle's uh, 34th birthday. Uh, so happy belated birthday to the late, great Nipsey Hussle. But because that would would have been the day that the episode would have been released, I didn't want to cover anything but positive topics. And while I did have a couple of positive topics that I just want to cover, it would have been a condensed episode just because of that. And there was a lot of stuff going on that I wanted to cover that wasn't on a positive spectrum. So I just decided not to uh, record or release the episode that week. However, on that same note, um, before we get into this episode, I do want to play you guys a sound clip that I meant to play in the last episode that it just didn't fit the uh, topic list. Um, and I came across it again this week and I was like, damn, I forgot to release that. So this next clip, this clip that I'm about to play you guys is a clip from um, this army surgeon named Glenn Oakley. I'm going to give you guys a clip and I'll speak about it a little later. So let's get into it. Um, I was at a sports store named Fanatics. I was buying a jersey and a little kid runs in here and says it's an active shooter at Walmart. But me and the guy, we didn't pay no mind because, you know, he's just a little kid. So I walk out and I go to um, I go to Foot Locker and all I hear is ball, ball. So I got my license to carry and I'm in the military. So I think it's, all I think is, you know, get my gun and think fast. So they, they closed, Foot Locker closed the, uh, the cage, but some people lifted it. Because I guess they were so scared they wanted to make it out. So I, I peeled out with them, and I just followed them, and I see a whole bunch of kids just running around without their parents. So I'm just thinking about the kids, so I, I pick up as many as possible and carry them with me, and another guy does it as well. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm shaking up, I can't think. But uh, I just peeled out, I, I just hope the kids make it safe, man, because it was a whole bunch of kids just running around without their parents, and I, I was worried about the kids more than myself. You said so. you heard the shots, right? Yeah, he did too. Okay. Um, again, just tell us how you how this feels. Like. Well, I'm in the military, so I probably feel different for me because you know we're trained to when you hear a gunshot, to pull out your weapon and I think fast. I'm just worried. I wasn't really worried about myself. I was worried about the kids. So I, I put my I put my stuff. Out. I just picked up the kids and just carried them with me. Me and the other guy did. We made it through dealers, so I wasn't really worried about myself. What ran through your mind when the, when the first shot rang out? When you heard the first shot, what ran through your mind? You know, I'm in the military. I can't. I couldn't even tell you. It's a feeling that anybody in the military can tell you. It's a feeling that you can't explain. You know what I'm saying? Your heart just. All you think is pull out your weapon and think fast. I'm curious. What were the kids? Do, what were the kids' reactions when you were running, running around crying? They were all just running around crying, just running around, just running. And all I could think about was kids. I was. I, I think about it as if my, if my if my child, if I have one, if my child was in the same predicament, what I would want somebody else to do. So I picked them up, and the other guy did as well. But it, it was it was so many kids that we couldn't pick them all up. You know what I'm saying? So I, I wasn't, I couldn't go back and, you know, do, do what it do, but I tried my best to, me and the other guy tried my best to get as many out as possible, but that's, that's all that was. I can't really do it now. Thank you so much for your Thank time. You. 
That was a eyewitness testimony of Glendon Johnson, who was live at the uh, El Paso shooting a couple weeks ago that occurred there, the mass shooting that happened in El Paso. Um, I don't know whether he's a he's currently in the army or he's a veteran. That doesn't really matter. Uh, he, he has army experience. That's all we need to know. He has military experience. The reason why I want to share that with you guys is that's just like a showcase of black excellence. Um, he is a black veteran or black uh, active duty uh, military personnel who just took the who took the th- the stance to well as a first of all as as a military personnel that's like your response to be a first responder so he's a he's a hero in that sense um i mean he may be thinking that he's just doing his job but in my eyes that man is a hero he uh put his life on the line just to make sure that he was protecting all those kids um there's a little there's a there's a couple like media stories that was covering him he got a lot of he got a, a little bit of coverage but i just wanted to showcase him on this platform just to give him more cover to give to, to share his story more just because of we don't get that a lot we don't get the showcasing the black heroes when they do something heroic you're just like oh look what this man did and thank you and and then it goes away um the shooting happened weeks ago so like we're kind of moving on um as i said last episode that talk of gun violence happens around mass shooting when mass shootings occur and then it dies down um so I just have to play you guys that because that's going to lead to my next topic. But once again, I want to give a huge shout out to Glendon Johnson. Um, man, his his efforts to protect those children, his efforts to 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 get all those children to self to safety and to just be selfless, it is second to none. So I'm going to give a huge uh, round of applause for Glendon Johnson. Now, in other news, and related to that topic, um, you guys' favorite idiot, number 45, has come out and proposed, uh, I guess, re... I don't know if it would be reopening or reconstructing uh, mental institutions as basically a uh, something to combat mass shootings that's been happening. Now, I'm going to give you guys my take on this because as much as I don't like that man, I don't use the word hate, but as much as I don't like that man, as much as, he, as an idiot that he is, I'm all for opening mental institutions for the mentally ill. However, the uh, so open, uh, let me say this, turning to this as a solution to mass shootings is what rubs me the wrong way. So I'm provide both of my stances in regards to that. The reason why I'm for opening mental institutions because I understand there's a lot of people who are mentally ill within this country and within this world. Well, we're speaking of this country specifically right now because obviously it's proposed as a uh, solution to the mass shootings here in America. But I'm for it aside from that. So you take out the, the solution to mass shootings. I'm for opening mental institutions because we have so many people in this country that are homeless because... There is no mental institutions for them. They they have something mentally wrong with them. They don't have anywhere to turn to. They don't have anywhere to go to for assistance. So those people are usually put out on the streets. And that's the lifestyle that they succumb to. And that's a lifestyle that they just end up stuck in for their entire life. The reason why I'm for re-implementing mental institutions is because I understand that the reasons why I don't I should have researched this before, but I'm not sure if we don't have any mental institutions. Well, I know we have some mental institutions, but I'm not sure the amount of mental institutions we have opposed to the amount of mental institutions we had in America in the uh, 60s and 70s. Um, I understand that 
we had a bunch that was shut down within those time periods because there was reports coming back that these uh, patients were being mistreated, they were being abused, and it was just people the 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 people who were hired to oversee these people who had mental who are mentally ill or have problems like that, they weren't qualified. And so because a lot of these issues continue to come up and a lot of these issues continue to arise and more issues uh, started arising, America as a whole decided to get rid of the mental institution because there was no way to, I guess they figured it was no way to properly train a sane or quote unquote sane because if if you're considered sane but you're abusing mentally ill people, then obviously you're not sane. But because we were putting people in these places that thought they were qualified to handle the job, thought they were able to... Uh, to handle these people who needed this type of a certain type of attention, um, because those people were in those, was in those positions and they didn't really understand what the position entailed. It led to them doing stuff that they shouldn't have been doing, and then that led to them abusing and mistreating these people. So America as a whole decided to get rid of the institutions because they couldn't afford to continue to defend the people they were hiring to oversee these people in these positions. So for me. And I didn't know this. I learned this. Uh, I want to say three or four years ago in school, when we had a, we was having a conversation. We had to do research about just like the mentally ill uh, in America and the reason why mental institutions are away. That's when I learned this. And then when I learned that, it, it kind of made a lot more a lot more sense because you know a lot of times you see transients on the, on a on the street and you thought that you know maybe they made a bad life decision and that got them there and they don't have any family to look to look out for them. But that's not the case. And a lot of the times, sometimes it be it be drug addicts. Um, and even the drug addicts, a lot of them have mental uh, mental problems as well. And I'm not sure if I'm politically correct in saying mental problem because it sounds like, I don't know, it sounds insensitive, but you guys can correct me if, if I'm wrong. Um, but a lot of times, even those people, the, the drug addicts who are on the streets, they have mental problems. That may be what have turned them to drugs or that may have been a repercussion of them doing drugs. But even aside from them, if people who were once in these mental institutions who then got kicked out once these mental institutions got shut down, and now they're living on the street because they don't have anywhere to turn to. The, the family don't want to deal with them. The family don't know how to deal with them. And no one else knows how to deal with them. So they had to turn to a life of living on the street um, and tents and stuff like that. So as a solution to not only in homelessness, because um, I don't think they're in homelessness, but to properly address what is actually wrong with a lot of the transits on the street. I'm all for opening these mental institutions just to address that problem within America, because I'm pretty sure we all have some type of empathy. I don't know if it's empathy or sympathy, but I'm pretty sure we have whatever it is I'm looking forward to saying here. We have that towards them. When we see these people on the street talking to themselves or you see somebody on the street who maybe just look like they don't all have it there, we don't know exactly where it came from. We don't know their life story. We don't know what was what from what. But we do understand that there's a mental problem there with that person that has not been addressed and they cannot seek proper care for. So for that reason, I'm all for it opening these mental institutions now to give you guys my other side as a solution to the mass shootings i feel like that's another cop-out we we know what and i spoke about this in the last episode as well i'm not going to say all mass shootings but majority of these mass shootings that happen in this country they're either racially or religiously based so it's because of the shooter is targeting someone who practices a certain faith or because they're targeting someone who is have a certain type of ethnic background. So I think when this idiot number 45 is 
offering to open up a mental mental institution across America as a solution to these mass shootings. It just let me know that they still think this shit is a joke. And here they go again, you know, caping for themselves and not actually addressing the the issue. Um, and what the issue is is domestic terrorism again. I mean, amongst white people. Um, the 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 term domestic terrorism was not even used loosely in the media because they don't want to refer to these people as terrorists because of this is their quote unquote homeland. So I think that this is like another cop out and not actually addressing it. You know, first they said that they were saying that um, the reason why these mass shootings was happening was because of video games. So as a solution, we need to address the video game industry and we need to take away uh, take away violent video games or whatever the hell it is, or crack down on violent video games. And now it's like addressing mental issues. And I understand that, yes, obviously if you're carrying out an attack on harmless people, you have some type of mental problem. But that's not the issue at hand because they know what they're doing because they're planning it. It's premeditated. The, the problem at hand is that you you idolize certain people who share these type of ideas or share these type of views in regards to the discriminizing against people of certain faith or a certain skin color or certain ethnicity, whatever the case may be. And because you idolize those people, you think that you carrying out certain actions is you showing, I guess, paying homage to whoever you idolize or whatever. Well, I don't know what the case is. I, don't, I would never want to get into the mind of those type of people. But I understand somewhat of the back end of the reason why they're justifying what they're doing. But it's like you talking about open up a mental institution, but you need to address the fact that, for one, we don't need to address that racism. Everybody knows that racism is alive in America. But we need to address the fact that a lot of these uh, people with these white supremacist ideology, ideology, how do you say the word? Ideology. Um, they idolize this idiot in the office, and because he doesn't condemn those type of groups, they think it's okay. So when you go to when you go to a rally and you saying stupid, and I'm not even gonna get into his rhetoric, but when you saying certain stuff. Um, that's targeting certain uh, you targeting women, are you targeting certain demographics, are you targeting certain people, and you see like a, a a black person who may be in a rally, and they're not causing harm to anybody, but they're just going against the the views that he's sharing, the ideas that he's sharing in the rally, and then you have the people in the crowd starting to attack this person because he don't agree with what this idiot on stage is saying, and then he's you know pumping them up to go ahead and you know cause harm to this person. You're inciting them. As I've been saying, I've said previous episodes, that's him putting a battery in his people back because, yeah, the shit is wrong. But if you have the person in the highest position in this country not condemning what the hell you're doing, then you're going to continue to do it. You know, when the when the whole Charlottesville thing happened and it was uh, the the protesters who were protesting all these white supremacists and he's over here talking about the he was referring to the the people who was in support of the minorities as we have some some decent people and we have some good oh, I forgot what the hell he said. Um but he said something stupid as he it's not it's not 
often that he doesn't say anything stupid, so it's kind of hard to remember. But he said something stupid in in regards to that, and you guys may have remember whatever he said, and I just can't remember right now. But when you say certain things like that, and you're condemning, you're not condemning these actions of these people. So but then you have this idiot who can drive through a crowd in Charlottesville and and plow through people with his Mustang and think that it's okay. You're inciting them. You're putting the the the, the charge in these people's back and. I would say I don't get it, but I do get it. That's just, that's what this country is built on. And there's a lot of people in this country that still feel this way. There's a lot of people in this country that said his views. So that's my take on that. On the, I'm all for the, for opening up missile institutions, but not for the, as a solution of, of uh, mass shooting. If we want a solution to mass shootings, they condemn these, these people with these white supremacist ideas, condemn these people with these racist ideas, condemn these people who are spewing these hate messages throughout this country. And then I think we will finally actively, actually address the problem with these mental shooters. Now, as I said in the beginning, mental shooters are not only targeting people based on their religion or based on their skin color or based on their ethnicity, whatever the case is, because we have cases like Sandy Hook. We have cases like uh, the Aurora shooting at the Batman uh, Batman movie. It's, it's, it's cases like that. We have the case with the idiot in in Las Vegas who opened fire at the uh, the music festival. So we have these cases like that. But as of recent, a lot of these mass shootings have been racially charged, and I don't think it's coincidence that we have seen a spike in the racially charged mass shooting since that idiot number forty five has been in office. So that's really all I have on that. Um, in regards to these these white supremacist ideology, um, this past week, the officer who was responsible for the murder of Eric Garner was finally fired. Now, before you guys start to cheer, you guys may remember, and I don't remember what episode it was that I spoke about it, but in a couple episodes ago, I spoke about how this officer, uh, they took him to court because they were still trying him five years later after Eric Garner was killed. Um, to get this, this officer fired because when it first happened, when it first happened, he was he was put on I think like paid leave, and then since then he's been as I believe he's been working on the force. He hasn't been like policing or anything like that, but I think he's been like behind a desk wherever the case is. And then I want to say like this, I want to say last month they finally you know took him not finally took him to court, but they finally had to find out whether the charges were brought on. And I covered the story about how. Um, when they decided not to, when he wasn't going to face any federal charges, that his family didn't find out until after social media found out, and then that's and then that whole debacle. Uh, you guys can go back and listen to the episode if you really want to know. I can give you guys the episode number, but um, that's just the gist of it. So after that happened, when it found that he wouldn't be facing no criminal charges, the result of that was basically them saying that he was not responsible. For, I don't want to say this incorrectly. But I want to say that although he was involved in the murder of Eric Garner, that he wasn't, I guess, totally responsible for the death of Eric Garner. I guess that's what it was in them not facing charges. So obviously, the 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 attorney who was defending Eric Garner's estate and as the attorney that was representing his family, they decided to continue to press charges. Um, they were they followed by like a week or a couple of weeks long of protests. Because there was no reason why this officer who um, executed this man for quote unquote selling uh, the selling uh, uh, illegally selling cigarettes that he should have been on on the force, and so there was a lot of protests that followed that. Is because of the people 
within New York did they want him still policing if this is if they're letting him get away with this they fear for their lives that he would still be policing so they pressed they they pressed on you know just to get him out of his position and he finally got kicked I'm gonna say kicked out but he finally got fired uh the NYPD uh decided to remove him from the police force and he was fired however in cases like this normally when somebody is fired somebody was suspended is that you can't you if you get fired from police department you can't get hired by another but that wasn't the case for this he could still get hired by another police department he had to go somewhere outside of new york the reason why i bring this up is because yes we finally got him out of his position but then we see the true colors of and i'm going to say the true colors because we've been seeing the true colors of america but we just been seeing just like how people really feel. So I'm gonna read you guys the. Uh, I'm gonna read you guys the. They start so, people have started a GoFundMe to help him to help his family. I'm gonna read you guys the the info on the GoFundMe and I'm gonna read you guys a top comment. But anyway, so they just a few days after he got fired, they raised over a hundred thousand dollars. The info in regards or the details in regards to the GoFundMe account states that support NYP. NYC police officer Daniel, whatever his name is, we're not gonna read his name, fuck him and his and his family. Mayor Bill de Blasio's anti-police rhetoric contributed towards the decision to fire him. Let's help an officer in need who is only doing his job. It's at least it's the least we can do for another brother in blue with a newborn and bills to pay. The top quote. It's a shame Mayor de Blasio and his puppets made the decision they did today. I am very happy to see the rallying support behind officer fuck this nigga. Um for those of you still on patrol, times have changed drastically, so please watch each other's back and stay safe. So if you guys don't understand the the backing or where this shit is coming from, basically the supporters of this officer are saying that Bill de Blasio deciding to take this man off of the NYC police force, he is advocating for anti-police protection somehow so because they don't want a man who illegally murdered who no 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 no, no. let me say this correctly i want to choose my word correctly because this was a man like that was lost in the situation a man who uh, a man who decided to carry out an illegal Yes, the chokehold that he used to strangle Eric Gardner was an illegal chokehold. This is New York's law. This is not just me saying it. It was. It was. It's issued. It's, it's not authorized. And 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 police use force when interacting with uh, people they are arresting. He used an illegal chokehold that resulted in the death of Eric Gardner. However. He, did, he was able to keep his job for five years. And even after five years, when his, when his day finally came in court, he was still able to get off and not face any charges. Now, that's not absurd enough. The Eric Gardner's family, his estate, decided to continue to press on because there's no way that this man should continue to be able to police these streets if this is what he's doing and he's getting off with it. The mayor of New York heard his family out and understood that, yeah, there's no way we can allow this. We have to take this man off. There's no way that he could police in my city. 
And these dumbass supporters said, no, nah, fuck all that. And I'm sorry for it's a lot of cursing going on in this episode. I'm sorry for, for uh, I know a lot of my old family members be listening to this. Um, but that's just, I don't know. I feel like I had to speak that way to really express how I feel. Um, but these dumbass supporters decided to say, no, nah, fuck all that. He should still be able to police our neighborhood because he's protecting us. And let me give you guys from what I believe their train of thought is. He's protecting us from these niggas. And I say that with an A, not an ER. He's protecting us from these niggas on these streets who we are scared of, who are causing harm, quote unquote. And I'm saying this, quote unquote, who are quote unquote causing harm in our communities, even though we're gentrifying their neighborhoods, even though that these are these are neighborhoods that their families have lived in for generations even though that we have businesses coming here and trying to kick them out and, and place them in other places and, 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 and raise the rent so that they would be forced to move out uh, and go somewhere else. Even though we are intruding in their neighborhoods, we're scared. And what he did to Eric Garner, who lost his life, we don't care. He was only doing his job. This is this is not me. Y'all know this is, this is not how I speak, but this is... This is what I'm getting from how these supporters are speaking. Even though that, you know, he took that man's life, he was doing his job. That man's life had to be taken. So we're raising money for him. And basically, we don't agree with nothing that the mayor is saying because he's now telling officers that they can't do their job to protect us. Because that's really all he was doing was protecting us, protecting our community, the, the community that we're gentrifying. So... I only got two things to say. Well, I'm going to say my, my baby only got two things to say to y'all. All y'all supporters, all y'all donating, whoever the hell is donating $100,000 to a man that's out here taking an innocent man's life, you got a special place in hell to go. But I'm not going to harp on that too much. I just got two things to say. And if you ever listen to this podcast, you already know what's coming next. Fuck you. Fuck you. Now, in the sports world, on another topic and another subject, um, the NCAA proposed what was labeled or billed as the Rich Paul Rule, and then I want to say less than 48 hours later, they took it back. Now, to give you guys the backstory on the Rich Paul Rule, first of all, if you don't know who Rich Paul is, Rich Paul is the agent who represents LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Ben Simmons, uh, Oklahoma City rookie Darius Baisley. Um, Draymond Green. I don't know if I already said Draymond or not, and many other people. Um, Rich Paul, like many of the people who deal with LeBron, is one of his childhood friends. Who once he, if you guys know the story of LeBron James, you know that once he got big, he brought a lot of his friends with him, and now those friends are owner of businesses. Um, for one of them being Maverick Carter, who is uh one of the CEOs of Spring Hill Entertainment. Maverick Carter's backstory, um, once LeBron was going through high school, Maverick Carter got him an internship at Nike during a time when LeBron was in high school and Nike was trying to win over um, trying to win over LeBron to, to sign LeBron as a signature athlete. You can call it what you want, but I believe that the reason why Maverick Carter was able to get positioned to, into that position and early on 
was because of him being a close friend of LeBron. And I'm not saying that to say that, you know, he owes everything to LeBron. If he wants to say that, he can say that. I'm just saying that this is the type of person LeBron is. He, he gets he gets on and he brings people up. So from there, Maverick Carter parlayed that position from being an intern at Nike to a uh, position at Nike, a full-time position. He then got to the per- he got to the point to where he was able to leave Mikey and they represent other people and now they on the uh, entertainment they own an entertainment company called Spring Hill Entertainment. They also own the Undefeated, which is a uh, I guess you call it like athletic block site. Um, and Maverick Carter owns a, a lot of stuff. He got his hand in a lot of stuff. And another one of those friends, and there's many of them, but another one of those friends is Rich Paul, who was another one of LeBron James' friends, who is now his agent and is agent to one of the biggest stars, uh, to a couple of the biggest stars in, in the NBA. When you say LeBron James and Anthony Davis, he housed, both of them is housed under Rich Paul's management, uh, Clutch Sports Group. So the NCAA proposes ruling where, well, they tried to propose a ruling to where Agents who wanted to represent potential draft picks had to hold a a bachelor's degree from an accredited four-year university. Now, this attempt was another attempt from the NCAA to try to, I guess, pigeonhole black people and those of the uh, African-American community, not just African-American community, but people who don't have opportunities to... um, have access to, you know, go to college or go to certain things like that. So, by that, I say one of them, the first one I covered a long time ago was when LeVar Ball first announced his, um, when LeVar Ball first announced the JBA, which was the Junior Basketball or Junior Ball Association, whatever the case it is, um, it was kind of like an alternative for kids who were coming out of high school and they didn't want to go to college because we're moving now to a point to where Kids don't want to go to college. They want to go somewhere and make money. Um, it wasn't always like that to where a kid has to go to college and to, in order to uh, get to the NBA. But we got to the point to where it's like that now. Um, the reason why the reason why I had to explain that is because when LeVar Ball announced his joint, uh, the, I said joint, Junior Ball Association, as I said, that was an alternative because he recognized that a lot of kids were going to college and bringing a lot of money for these universities, and they were only going there for one year. And the only reason why they were going to college is because there was a rule in order to get to the NBA. You either had to be 19 years old or one year removed from the high school graduation. So, you know, some kids, they decide to go pro, go play overseas for that one year, and the majority of them decide that they don't want to do that. They want to stay home for that one year and go a traditional route and go to college. So, LeVar Ball's Junior Basketball Association, or Junior Ball Association, I need to uh, Junior JBL, uh, Junior Ball League, I think it was called. And I hate that I'm getting his name wrong. But anyways, that was a, a alternative for those kids who want to make money right away rather than go to college and make kids, uh, rather than make these colleges money. They can make money, provide for the family, provide for whatever they need to do, and then enter an NBA draft. So... After this was explained, after LeVar Ball wrote this out, I want to say, I wish I remember the the time dates, but I want to say no more than a month later, the NCAA and the NBA decided to announce this kind of like, I guess, partnership to where certain kids can come straight out of high school and go to the G League and with spend one year in the G League and then enter an NBA draft. This was an alternative to for the kids who don't want to go to college. Now, the tricky thing with the G League is G League players don't make a lot of money. And even with that, 
you have to be of certain stature or certain status even to to take that route. So not everybody was afforded the opportunity to bypass college and go to the G League. So this is where Rich Paul comes in. Rich Paul, he represents a client. His name is uh, uh, Darius Baisley, who is now a rookie playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder who drafted in this year's draft. Darius Baisley was a five-star recruit who had committed to go play for Syracuse University his senior year in high school. After his senior year ended, he took on the uh, representation of Clutch Sports Group, and he was managed by Rich Paul. Once this partnership happened, they decided that he wasn't going to go to college because he didn't want to go to college. He wanted to make money. They decided to bypass college and go to the G League. And then sometime later, it was decided that he was bypassing the G League. So at this case, everybody was like, okay, what is he doing? Because if you guys don't know anything about uh, recruits, once you hire an agent to represent you, you can't go to college anymore because now you're considered a pro. So he had Rich Paul representing him. So everybody was like, all right, you bypass college. Now you're bypassing the G League. What the hell are you going to do? Weeks later, it came out saying that Rich Paul somehow orchestrated a deal for this kid to do a one-year internship at New Balance. New Balance was, you guys know, it was a shoe company or apparel company. Uh, New Balance was just getting his foot in the back into the NBA game. Or I think for the first time, getting his foot into the uh, basketball um, footwear apparel. Footwear and apparel, I should say. And so this kid was, they agreed that this man was, this kid was going to do, because that's essentially what it was, he was 18 years old, was going to do a one-year internship at New Balance. And within that internship, he was going to get paid. He was going to be able to train in New Balance's uh, basketball facilities with New Balance basketball trainers. And then on top of all that, he was also a traditional intern to where he would learn the ins and outs of what goes into to making an apparel, what goes into marketing, uh, not making it, making apparel and footwear, what goes into marketing these things. And there's a bunch of other things that he got the knowledge of from being a um, intern at New Balance. And once all that ended, which was this summer, New Balance signed him to an athletic deal. So now he's represented by New Balance. Now, obviously, as they were once threatened by LeVar Ball, they're now threatened by Rich Paul. So them ushering in this this rule to where it requires that the agents who want to represent the potential and the reason why I say potential uh, representatives because in college basketball and NCAA specifically, they kids have the choice to test the waters of NBA frequency. By that, I mean they can go to the NBA combine. They can have interviews with NBA teams. But if they feel like they're not going to get drafted or they're not going to get drafted in a position that they, that they suspected or expected, they still have the option to go back to the uh, to college for another year. However, if that kid decides to take on an agent to represent them, they're no longer able to do that. So I guess the NBA ushered or double NCAA tries to usher in this rule to prevent people like Rich Paul. Now I don't just mean Rich Paul by black people. I mean women. I mean family members or other things like that to prevent that opportunity from doing so. Um, so after this rule was announced. There was an op-ed that was released through the Atlantic uh, just a day later where Rich Paul was speaking about it. And I was going to take away this one quote that um, I got from the whole article. I'm going to read you guys. So basically, Rich Paul says something to the effects of requiring a four-year degree accomplishes only one thing, systematically excluding those who come from a world where college is unrealistic. And I feel like that was a mo- the, the piece is great. Um, if, you, if you're on a computer right now, once you get done with this, Google uh, Rich Paul athletic piece and you'll probably find it. But I feel like I want to take away this 
specific excerpt because that's exactly what it is in a nutshell is them trying to systematically oppress a certain group of people because Rich Paul didn't I'm sorry uh, for that noise Rich Paul didn't go to the university but he's in a successful agent as I said Anthony Davis and LeBron James no matter who you're talking to they're in the top five uh, if you're talking about current basketball players so he currently has and depending on who you're talking to they may be top three so he currently has two of the best basketball players in the world right now he's representing then he has an up and coming star like Ben Simmons. He has an up and coming star, or he has a he has a, a all star like Draymond Green, a world champion like Draymond Green. And then you have this rookie who is looking like he's going to have a promising career as well. So the NCAA is threatened by this. They don't want these kids to be able to do that. They don't want Darius Basley to be able to forego not only college, where they would have made billions of dollars had that team have been successful with him contributing to it, but also forego. The G League, which was a, a route that they proposed in partnership with the NBA. Now he's doing whatever he want to do because Rich Call instrumented this, orchestrated this internship with a footwear apparel that ended up signing this kid. So now NCAA lost out on money be- that they would have made from this kid. So because they were so threatened by that, they figured we have to implement something for them to not be able to do that. And the reason why I'm so upset by this, because not only we have people like Rich Paul who don't have any who don't have any uh backing who don't have any degree or anything like that from from the university and like he said college was unrealistic from him he played basketball in high school or he played with LeBron James he may have went on a basketball scholarship but other people don't have the opportunity a lot of the time these kids coming out of college they don't trust and this was the the this was a justification by the NCAA by the way they were saying that they want to prevent the opportunity of these young kids being screwed over by, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm not saying screwed over, but being screwed over by agents who have no idea what they're doing, but their only intentions are to steal money from these kids, whatever the case is. That was justification is, but we know exactly what the justification was, or the reason it was. It was to vet people like Rich Paul. But the reason why I'm so upset about it is because a lot of these kids, they come out of college, they come out of high school, and they they get these representatives. Some it's not. It's not foreign for these kids to hire somebody like a family friend or a family member just because they don't trust this person coming into the house with a suit and tie telling them that they have the best interest. There's been so many cases where they were, whether it's a athlete or it's an entertainer, they had somebody handling their money that they have no idea who this person was prior to them hiring them. They come from two separate worlds, so they don't know the actual intentions. And then later on in the world, those person get fucked over. Like, Remember years ago, it came out that Rihanna's accountant was taking millions of dollars from her and so on and so on. And there's been a lot of cases in the athletes and athlete cases where the agents were taking more money than they know. And they didn't really understand because they never read a contract or they wasn't college educated. They went to college for one year and that one year they played basketball or maybe it was years before the rule was implemented. And they came straight out of high school and they hired an agent that suckered them out of whatever money they should have been made. This is this is not foreign for the stuff to happen. So. A lot of these kids, to prevent that, their first couple of years, they were presented by somebody they know and somebody they trust. So the NCAA trying to trying to implement this rule takes away that. It takes away the, the kid hiring the auntie that they trust, hiring the uncle that they trust, hiring the cousin that they trust, or hiring the family friend that represents a, a older cousin that was once a professional um, that may not have any may not have any college degree or any uh, higher education, but because they were so successful in the representation of that prior player that this now younger player trust him. 
it's just all weird. But I have to speak on this because for one, I want to commend Rich Paul for all that he's done. If you don't know anything about Rich Paul, do your Googles. This man is a he's a great agent and all the deals he orchestrated. And this whole uh Anthony Davis debacle that's been going on for the past two seasons, this man is at the helm of that. He got Anthony Davis to the team that Anthony Davis wanted to go to. I can hate the Lakers as much as I want to, but Anthony Davis wanted to play with LeBron James and even though the odds are stacked against him, Rich Paul got that man to LeBron James. Now he has two clients on the same team, and I will never admit it, but most people will say that this team is at the potential to go to the championship. So just think about that and all the shit that he's orchestrated. Think about this: the what he did with Darius basically getting him that internship. You now have an 18-year-old kid who would have went to college and did nothing but played basketball not really learn much school because you don't really take anything away from two semesters of school while you're so busy with most of the year playing basketball. Um, this kid is now educated on the, the ins and outs of what happens at a, a footwear or apparel company. Um, he understands the ins and outs of marketing the shoes are, uh, especially with New Balance. This is their first time stepping into the athletic footwear game as far as basketball goes. So he got to see everything from the ground up. And now this kid is well-educated. Not only that, he's represented by this company. So he trusts that company with his future dealers and stuff like that. So I really just had to bring it up to shed that light on that. Um, it was another just a example of black excellence. I know we're giving out a lot of round of applause, but this is another one. We're going to give out a round of applause for, for Rich Paul for all of he's done and all that he will continue to do. Huge shout out to Rich Paul. Now, for the very last topic of this episode, we're going to cover something that a lot of people have been asking me my take on. I still don't have a, a sure shot take on it, but we're going to speak up on it because this is Speak My Peace podcast, so why not speak my peace? Anyways, the NFL and Jay-Z has announced a partnership where he will be in charge of the entertainment for the Super Bowl. Well, he and his company, Rock Nation um, Entertainment, will be in charge for the entertainment at the Super Bowl and also like selecting the entertainment. And then also the partnership includes a social justice campaign. Now, this deal, the partnership has caused a lot of rumbling within the past couple of days. And I'm pretty sure you guys have seen it all on social media. Uh, people siding with one side against another. Uh, people siding on both sides, people condemning both sides, whatever the case may be. Um, we're going to speak upon it here. So people have asked me how I feel about it. I personally don't know how I feel about it. And my reasoning for that is because I have, first of all, shout out Colin Kaepernick, fuck the NFL. Um, let's get that out of the way. Um, my reason is because, okay, a lot of people have come to Colin Kaepernick's defense and have called Jay-Z a sellout and said that he shouldn't have done what he's done and said that he's only doing it for money. And I totally understand that because we understand what the NFL is as a business and we understand how they feel about us because of how they're treating Colin Kaepernick. I have to speak my piece about that because a lot of people, well, we're going to get into that. So I, get, I understand that side. And a lot of people are coming to Jay-Z's defense saying that we have to work. We have to infiltrate the system. Yes, the NFL has been so horrible for so many years. Um, they have shown that they feel about us, but we have one of us on the inside. So now we're able to infiltrate the system and we're able to cause some changes and whatever the case may be. And I understand that side as well. 
I'm not for condemning one of the other until I see something that makes me condemn one of the other. Um, but I just have to speak up on it because, okay, for the people who are justified in Jay-Z, you, you, let me say this before I jump into all that. You can support both Jay-Z and Colin Kaepernick. You don't have, like, we don't have to tear each other apart. Both are black men. Both are black men who have done well by us. And both are black men who have done well for themselves. So we don't have to tear one of the other down just because we feel that we have to. And this is what's going on in the world that we have to pit each other against each other. The reason why I'm not going against any of them is because, for one, you guys know how I feel about Colin Kaepernick. If I need to get into that a little bit more, then I will. But for Jay-Z, my background is music. I love sports. I love entertainment. But music is is that's my go to, and with that being said, jazz been my favorite genre. But my go to was is is rap, it's hip hop. That's what I was raised upon, and Jay Z is one of those artists that I was raised upon. Raised upon the first I remember one of the first physical CDs I've ever seen in my life was Hard Knock Volume Two. That was the one with him uh, in front of the is that Volume Two or Volume Three? I maybe no, that's Volume Two. That's with him in front of the Bentley. That's the song. That's the CD with with uh, Hard Out Life on it. My mom had it. That was one of the first physical CDs I ever seen in my life, and I've been a Jay Z fan all my life, and I recognize Jay Z to be the the greatest rapper ever at this point. There's no rapper better than him. Jay Z is not my favorite rapper, but I do recognize Jay Z as the best rapper ever. Now I have to say all that just so you guys understand where I'm coming from. With all that being said, Jay Z has turned. The table these past couple of years and his social activism. We've seen Jay Z bring to the forefront the Khalif Browder documentary. We've seen Jay Z bring to the forefront the Trayvon Martin documentary. We've seen Jay Z uh, go on a campaign of suddenly, you know, uh, uh, paying the bonds of, of of fathers who were in jail on on Father's Day uh, to get them out of jail for Father's Day. We've seen Jay Z do the same thing for women on Mother's Day. We've seen Jay Z uh, set up funds for for. Uh, the victims of, of of social injustices and police brutalities and whatever the case may be. We've seen Jay-Z do all this stuff countless amount of time and he don't announce it not one time. The only reason why we hear about it is because of of, of media media reporters who get a hold of it, whatever the case may be, but he never announces it. He does this all from what I understand from his goodwill. So because of that, uh, along with me being a fan of him, I'm all for it. I have no reason to believe that Jay-Z is getting in this deal to lead us astray. Now, on the other side of Colin Kaepernick, the people who are supporting Colin Kaepernick, they're saying that Jay-Z is doing this. All right, before I get into this, I got to play you guys a clip because I have to come from both sides. And it's kind of hard for me to, for especially for me to not be condemning one, it's hard for me to express why I'm for both sides and then express why we feel a certain way about some something i guess um yeah let me get into this clip before i even go any further this i'm gonna play this clip about this no no, no i'm not even gonna play the clip <laughs> i'm all over the place right now but i just i'm trying to get a track of how the hell i'm effectively addressing this so i gave all my backings for jay-z okay and on the same stance a lot of people are saying that we're supporting jay-z 
and we're condemning. Isn't this weird that people are kind of condemning Colin Kaepernick? But in response to Jay Z making this deal, a lot of people have come out and they've spoken against Jay Z and saying that they don't like it and it looks funny and light because what he's doing is taken away from all that Colin Kaepernick has done. And people have come back with a defense of, well, okay, one of the first people to support Colin Kaepernick was his former teammate, Eric Reed, who was the first person to kneel alongside with him, saying that the Jay-Z deal looked funny and that it's taken away from what Colin Kaepernick did. Um, a lot of people are saying that, for one, Eric Reed is currently employed by the NFL, so how are you against Jay-Z when the NFL is, is cutting your check? That shit is stupid, but that's what people are saying. Other people are saying, how are you in support of Colin Kaepernick versus Jay-Z when Colin Kaepernick can take a settlement from the NFL. Let me explain this to you people. And I'm just I'm speaking from the standpoint of a fan of a former fan of the NFL and a supporter of Colin Kaepernick of someone who was boycotting the NFL. I am not boycotting the NFL because Colin Kaepernick does not have a job. I am boycotting the NFL because they are blackballing Colin Kaepernick. They are not blackballing him simply because of his protest. They are blackballing him because they don't want to give him a platform to protest. What I mean by that is the reason why Colin Kaepernick does not currently have a job is because he was using, he was protesting on their dime. He was using their platform. He was on their fields in front of all their fans on their TV, on the, on the, the, the companies of the, the, the TV partnerships that they have. This is where he was doing it. So this was affecting them. And so, and him doing that on their dime they had to alleviate or take away that platform so that now he's not as effective or he doesn't have that that outlet to do that. And what I mean by that is I, we spoke about it in the episode where I cover everything Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick took a gamble on himself his last year in playing for 49ers. He figured that he knew where that team was going. For one, that team had been tanking for two seasons straight after he won had led them to Super Bowl and also had led them to a division uh a division conference championship uh, the year before that or the year after that. Um, the years prior to that, the team started tanking. And his last season playing for the 49ers, he wasn't even a starter. They ended up putting him in a starting position once their season was out of reach. And so that basically setting him up for failure. So he understood, especially being under new ownership and new coaches also, he understood where that franchise was going and he knew that he did not have a place in it. So he decided to forfeit all the money that he was going to be making in the next two years for the sake of playing competitive football. So he decided to exercise his player option and try to get signed by another team to where he could be not only on a on a winning team, but also a competitive team. So he decided to exercise that. He never got picked up by a team. So now he's currently out of a job. And the reason why we who are counting Kaepernick supporters are saying he's being blackballed is because they were hoping that, for one, they tried to get him out of that franchise by for not starting him and then also not playing competitive football. So now, one, we don't have to pay you the money that we owe you. And two, if you want to stay here, you're going to be doomed because we're not going to be playing competitive football. And we know what you want. So he had to leave that. He had to take a gamble on himself and hope that another team pick him up. Another team didn't pick him up. And now we're moving on three years and him being unemployed from the NFL. So he decided to sue the NFL, not because of they didn't care about social injustice, which they don't, or because they didn't care about police brutality, which they don't. It's because he sued the NFL because 
he's overqualified to be not only a starter for at least half of the teams in the NFL, he's overqualified to be a, a backup on every team in the NFL currently. And he understands that. And he understands that the only reason why he does not have a job is because they decided that, you know, we got him out, now we got to keep him out. We don't want that nigga protesting. We don't want him bringing, this, we don't want him bringing awareness to these issues on our dime. Let him do that shit on his own. And so I've been here, and I had to bring that up from the stance of someone who's supporting Conor Kaepernick because I'm not support, I'm not boycotting NFL because they don't want to hire the man. I'm boycotting NFL because they don't want to hire the man because they are afraid that he will bring awareness to the issues that he want to bring awareness to because they know that he's not going to stop kneeling. They know he's not going to stop talking about what he's not what he, about what he's talking about, and they know that he's not going to stop addressing the issues that he want to address. So, how do you get rid of him? Just keep him out of a job. We, and, and he's not able to broadcast this awareness. He's not able to broadcast these issues on our TV screens. He's not able to broadcast these issues on our football fields. And so let's keep him out of that. So understand that us, and, I, and the reason why I have to speak for myself, because I also heard the stance of people supporting Jay-Z saying, y'all niggas speaking out against Jay-Z. And as I said, I'm not speaking about speaking out against Jay-Z, but saying that we're speaking out against Jay-Z. While Colin Kaepernick is taking a settlement, Eric Reed is playing for the the, the Panthers. So y'all have to understand it has nothing to do with the NFL not caring about it. Because we know that the NFL don't care about us. We care about the NFL keeping this man out of a job for three years that he's overqualified for. For the simple fact that he want to bring, he want to raise awareness on issues that need to be talked about. Um, And in the case of Eric Reed, people are saying that, you know, he's getting paid. He shouldn't be complaining. Yes, because he has a family to feed. That man has a daughter. That man has a wife. So he still loves to play the game just like Colin Kaepernick does. We're not boycotting the game of football. We're boycotting the fact that they're not trying to provide these men. They're not allowing these bands to bring awareness to these issues on their dime. Now, and my reason why, another reason why I say I don't really know how I feel about it, because as I said, I'm, I'm supporting Colin Kaepernick, but I have no reason to think Jay-Z will lead us astray. My one thing that I just feel funny about with Jay-Z is that I didn't speak out against him. I didn't speak out for him because I was trying to see what happens as things go along with his social justice campaign. But they had a uh, press conference where he was sitting next to Roger Goodell and the media was allowed in and people were asking him questions. And it was like one of his reactions, one of his answers, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So now kind of like this shit kind of looked funny in the light. But I'm still in support of Jay-Z because I'm hoping that he does what's best for us. I have no reason not to believe. Even when I was speaking about just now about all the stuff that he's done, I left out the social justice reform. Um, with the, I mean, the, the prison reform. Um, he, he's been an avid uh, activist in that case. But um, that's a side note. But when I read and I saw this video, I was kind of like, uh, shit kind of looked funny and light now. And I'm going to play this clip for you guys and we won't get back into the conversation and we're going to wrap up this podcast. So let me get into this clip. This is a clip where media asking Jay-Z whether or not he would kneel or would he stand for the national anthem. Um, okay. I think we passed kneeling. Yeah, I think it's time to go into uh, actionable items. I think everyone knows what the issue is. And we, we're done with that. We, 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 everyone knows what the we. You know what the issue is? You know why we were kneeling? Okay. Do you know the issue? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know the issue? 
Yes? We all know the issue now. Okay, next. What are we moving on next? And I'm not, again, so to be clear, for the room, I'm not minimizing that part of it because that has to happen. That's a necessary part of the process. But now we all know what's going on. What are we going to do? How are we going to stop? Because the kneeling was not about a job. It was about injustice. Let me bring attention to injustice. Everyone's saying, how are you going forward? And Cap doesn't have a job. This wasn't about him having a job. Now, to, to piggyback on that last, that last statement, yes, it wasn't about Colin Kaepernick having a job. It was about him bringing awareness and them taking away that platform of him bringing awareness to millions and millions of people across the world and across the country. Um, however, the reason why I say certain things look funny and light is because in the beginning of this clip, you hear Jay-Z stumble on his word and they ask him whether he would kneel or where he stand. It was like, uh, you don't know. Like your 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 question, your answer off the bat should be, I would kneel, because if that's what this is about, social injustice, we're bringing awareness to it. Then kneel. But if you also want to talk about, okay, then past the kneel, we have to be actionable items, and we can do that. But another reason why I didn't really like this clip is because he was like, okay, we have to move on to our actionable items, as if like kneeling wasn't effective. We have to do something else now. Like y'all niggas are kneeled enough, but do something else now. And in doing that, it's kind of condemning all the Colin Kaepernick have done in the time of bringing awareness. I speak about it time and time again about his Know Your Rights camp to where he is educating, going to different, um, he's going to different communities, uh, communities that are largely dominated by minorities, whether African-American, Hispanic, uh, wherever the case may be. And he's educating these kids and these teenagers on knowing their rights when they have interactions with, uh, with police officers. And also just the, the importance of education, the importance of, of community outreach and certain things like that. Like, that's what he's doing. He's been doing for the past three or four years. And aside from that, like he's done a lot of terrible things as far as raising money for different type of charitable groups that are that are helping out the community and stuff like that. So he's, if we're speaking about actionable items, that's what that man has done for the past three years. And if you don't believe me, look up Colin Kaepernick on Instagram because he don't speak much. He don't say much. But you can find just the different things that he's been doing within the communities and then the money he's been raising for different charities and all that stuff. He had the, um, I wish I remember exactly what it's called, but it was like a 10 for 10 thing going on last year. So where he raised a million dollars or he donated a million dollars to a bunch of charities and then he and doing and raising a million dollars, it was a 10 for 10. So he challenged 10 of his celebrity friends to donate $10,000 to a charity that they cared about. And then on top of that, he donated his own ten thousand dollars. And then he did that for he did that for like a good year. He was doing it not even a good year. He's doing that for like a good uh, month where he was just challenging his celebrity friends to raise money. So this was also bringing awareness. So yes, Jay Z, I understand that we had to move on to the actionable items, but we can do both in conjunction of each other. It's not that we have to do one without the other. Because it kind of that's the reason why I said look funny and like because like you're. Without doing so, without you purposely doing so, you're kind of speaking down on all that this man has done and all this man has built. Um, another thing that looked funny in the light, if you guys remember when the Super Bowl happened last year, there was talks about uh, the performance. So first of all, Jay-Z is supposed to be one of the performers. You remember the uh, the lyrics in uh, Ape Shit? He said, I say no to the Super Bowl. You need me, I don't need you. Um, that was in referral to the NFL turning to Jay-Z Asking him to perform at the Super Bowl last year And he turned him down So us supporters of Jay-Z And knowing that he's a supporter of Colin Kaepernick We figured we took it as face value as 
he turned that down in support of Colin Kaepernick. However, we don't know where the reason why he turned that down now because once they left him, they went to Travis Scott. And a lot of people gave Travis Scott flack because he performed the Super Bowl. Um, and Jay-Z was one of the, the big names that came out and tried to uh, advise him against it. And us who are supporters of Colin Kaepernick and us who are supporters of Jay-Z and all the social activism he has done in the past years, we took it as face value as him telling, uh, him telling Travis Scott not to perform in support of Colin Kaepernick. However, it has come out since this deal have happened to where that wasn't the basis of it. The basis of Jay-Z telling Travis Scott not to perform was because he didn't want Travis Scott being second, playing second fiddle. And by that, I mean Travis Scott releases his debut album last year, and so he had a big year. It was the number one album. We had a bunch of hits, and he had a big year. And Jay-Z felt that he shouldn't be playing second fiddle to Jay-Z because they only turned to Travis Scott after Jay-Z turned them down. So he advised Travis Scott not to play second fiddle because they only coming to him because somebody else turned down an offer. However, we took it as face value, or let me say, I'm not gonna speak for everybody, I'll speak for myself. I took it as face value as Jay-Z telling Travis Scott to support Colin Kaepernick and not respond. So now that this has come out that that was the reason for him telling Travis Scott not to perform, this shit looks funny in the light. Um, it also looks funny in the light it has come out and said that, and I don't know how true this is, so we're just gonna say, this, I'm gonna disclose it and say it's a rumor. But it has come out and said that Last year, the NFL was talking about doing the same thing with Jermaine Dupri, and Jay-Z advised him against it. Now, I don't know how true the story is. It's been multiple people come out and say they spoke with J.D., and J.D. said that that was true. It's all he say, she say until we hear one of them actually speak for themselves. Um, but this looks funny and light because how you tell this man to turn it down, then you come back a year later. Now, it don't really look like you're really in it for the social social justice campaign. You're really in it for the money, which is a lot of people who are against Jay-Z are, are saying that this is merely a money move. It's not him caring about us. So going forward, I'm going to ride with Jay-Z until shit is all the way funny. And then I can see that, all right, I understand what his intentions are. However, I'm going to try my best to hope and wish that he has us as a community, our best interests at heart. Because we know the NFL don't. We know the only reason why the NFL has turned to this man is because he is a pillar in our community. And he's the head of the rap community. The, the rap community runs a lot. It runs, runs pop culture. It runs uh, entertainment. It runs a lot. We, the rap community influences a lot. So they decided to turn to this man and to get him to, to be the face of that. So we know what their intentions are. But let's hope that Jay-Z is able to do right by us as a community with their backing. To, to uplift us And also with this with the social justice campaign I'm hoping that it's just not Just like some, some off brand shit I hope that it's actually something that He's getting down in the dirt He's uh, addressing police brutality He's providing some type of uh, uh, um, Workshops Similar to what Colin Kaepernick is doing For at risk youth or Not for at risk youth But for, for youth in the community Where police don't have the best uh, Relationship with also, just to bridge a gap, and this is not just merely on, um, oh, that's another thing I have to cover, but this is merely not focused on police brutality. It's, it's, it's referring to systematic oppression. It's referring to police brutality. It's referring to racism, as we've been seeing, has been coming back out of the woodworks in, in this country. And, it, and this is a bunch of other stuff that this is referring to. But um, another thing that I didn't cover, and this is the last thing I'm covering in regards to this, that looked funny and light, but it's him asking 
these white people did they know what the dealing was about and one person the first person he asked she answered she said yeah police brutality no that's not what Colin Kaepernick is referring to he came out specifically said that he's dealing to bring awareness to social justice in this country where minorities are systematically oppressed and he can't stand for a national anthem that a country for he can't stand for a national anthem for a country that are that that stand for the land of the free and home of the brave where a certain group of people aren't actually free and so he decides to kneel so he asked that first person she said police she said yeah police brutality no that's not what it's for so obviously you don't know then he went on to ask other people who will simply just say yeah that doesn't tell me that they actually know what it was it tells me that you put them on the spot and so now they're saying what you know they know what it's about so that's another thing that looked funny in the light um, like I said, I hope I have no reason to believe that Jay Z wouldn't do right by us, but I just hope that he has our best intentions at heart. Um, and as far as Colin Kaepernick goes, I don't think that man's ever gonna get a job, but I'm gonna support that man. As as far as I'm concerned, I'm gonna continue to support that man. People are saying that oh he took a settlement, there's no reason for you to boycott the NFL. No, that's not what that settlement was about. That man still has a life to live. That man still has to support himself. So that settlement was about. I understand that. I'm overqualified positions that I should be in, but you guys are blackballing me out of positions. So now you have to give me my fucking money because you're keeping me out of something that I know that I should be in for the simple fact of you don't want me protesting. So that's what I believe the settlement is about. Y'all can believe whatever it is about whatever, but that's my stance on boycotting in the field. They're trying to take away or they took away, they actively, effectively took away a platform for this man to bring uh, light to millions of people about issues that are very important with this country, but obviously this country doesn't like to talk about race relations. That's all I have for this. This is the end of the Speak on Peace podcast. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in. Whether listening on Apple Music, I mean Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, thank you so much. If you are listening on Apple, make sure you're like, I mean, like sure you are rating and subscribe it. If you're listening on SoundCloud, make sure you're liking it. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure you're rating, subscribe it. If you listen on Google, make sure you're rating, subscribe it. Just, I appreciate all the love you give me. I appreciate all the feedback I continuously get for this podcast. As I always say, and it's corny, but you guys are the reason why I go. Um, that's really all I have. Thank you guys. Before we get out of here, my what to watch for this week. Um, I've been watching on BET American Soul. Now I know I'm, I may be late, and a lot of you may have already watched it, but if you have not. Definitely check out American Soul on BET. Um, if you have BET, it probably re-airs on there. But if, if you're watching on BET app or on demand, I'm pretty sure it's on there. Um, my best kept secret for this week is what we're going to go with. Snow Allegra just dropped and we're going to go into some of that. So my best kept secret for this week is Find Someone Like You by Snow Allegra. Once again, my best kept secret for this week is Find Someone Like You by Snow Allegra. That's the Speak My Peace podcast. I'm out! Something about the way that you talk to me Even when you're not around I feel you, boy I feel you, boy Tangled in your love and your energy Perhaps it was the way that you smile I see you, boy Oh, I need you, boy
ever perfect, but you're perfect to me. Uh-huh. I'm fucking asleep, you're a dream, I need you. Though we gotta pass, I want you. And even when it's bad, I love you.